Dealmaker Insights, the podcast brought to you by Reed Smith's corporate and finance lawyers from around the globe. In this podcast series, we explore the various legal and financial issues impacting your deals. Should you have any questions on any of the content through this series, please contact our speakers. Welcome back to our Dealmaker Insights podcast. My name is Lucille Schneeweiss, and I'm a senior associate for a global competition, EU law and regulatory team. Today, I am joined by Natasha Tardif, the managing partner of our Paris office, Michaela Vestrup, partner from our Munich office, and Marjorie Holmes, a partner based out of our London office. Together, we will offer some insight into some of the key similarities and differences between foreign direct investment regimes in France, Germany, and the UK. Foreign direct investment, which we will be calling FDI in this podcast today, is a category of cross-border investment whereby a company invests into a target established in a different country. So let's start with a very definition of what FDI is. What triggers FDI filing in your jurisdiction and how is it specific compared to others? Natasha, how about you start? So for FDI in France to be triggered, three different conditions should be met. One, we should have a non-French investor, and that is by place of establishment or by fiscal residence. Two, we need an acquisition either of control or of a branch or activity of a French company, or, and that's for non-EU investors only, the sole acquisition of more than 10% of voting rights of a listed company or over 25% of voting rights of a non-listed company could be considered as sufficient. This includes an increase in existing participation as well. And three, the investment has to be made into a French entity active in a sensitive sector, which means a sector that is listed amongst the 23 specific sectors that the law considers as sensitive. Of course, there will be everything in relation with the exercise of official authority, public order, public security, the interests of national defense. But we'll return to this because the list is pretty wide and these terms are pretty widely defined. Thank you, Natasha. Michaela, what about... FDI in Germany. Thanks, Lucille. Um, well, in Germany, according to the German FDI legislation, which is really under the roof of the Foreign Trade and Payments Act and the Foreign Trade and Payments Ordinance, a transaction must be notified to and cleared by the German Ministry of Economic Affairs and Climate Action if there's a foreign investor that acquires directly or indirectly voting rights in a German company or some major assets of such company, which is active in um, specific sectors that are defined by the law. Also, increases of existing participations can trigger filing requirements, and so may the acquisition of, um, as I said, assets of the German company. But what is not enough, and that seems to be a difference to the regime in France, if um, the foreign investor acquires atypical control or information rights, because then the ministry may have a right to review ex officio, but the foreign investor wouldn't have the obligation to uh, file this transaction to the ministry. 
Now, the voting right thresholds um, vary depending on the sector of the German target concerned, and it can be 10% or 20%, and in case of increases, it's 25, 40, 50, and 75%. So, in theory, the same foreign investor can be subject to filing requirements under German FDI regarding the same German target several times. The UK is different in two respects. Our regime is called National Security Investment Regime rather than Foreign Direct Investment, and that's because it covers UK investors as well as foreign investors. Also, it doesn't have to be a UK company that's being acquired as long as there are activities taking place in the UK and they fit within one of 17 sectors, then a filing is mandatory. We also have voluntary filings. That's where you've got an asset acquisition or material influence. As in the German system, if you've already got a shareholding but you increase, then further filing might be required. Thank you all. In your jurisdiction, which company should be especially vigilant of FDI scrutiny? Let's start with France. Yeah, so, well, you know, FDI screening is part of M&A life. And much like merger control has been for years, one has to look into the actual activities um, systematically on an ad hoc basis. Although the French FDI regime is one of the oldest in Europe, having been introduced in 1966, it's more relevant than ever nowadays with the extension of the list of relevant sectors. The 2019 EU directive also introduced several new sectors to the scope of the regime. So we now have these 23 sectors ranging from any threat to public security, national defense interests, public order, uh, meaning military activities, gambling activities, protection of public health, press activities, but also you know, areas that you would less expect, such as agricultural and food security, research, production, or marketing of weapons, ammunition, explosive, and biotechnology, uh, cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, and energy. And with the aftermath of the COVID crisis, there is a specific focus on infrastructure, transportation, energy, telecommunication, and public health. We can probably also expect authorities to take a special interest in critical technologies such as AI and data collection, storage and processing. Unfortunately, there is no objective test for whether an activity falls under the French FDI regime. A granular analysis of the activity of the target is required to assess on a case-by-case -case basis whether it is sensitive to public order and security or the safety of supply. So identifying whether the transaction falls under this scope is one of the key things one has to look into when assessing a transaction. What about companies investing in Germany? Well, the situation seems to be very similar, even though the formal details vary a bit. In Germany, we have the legislation sort of split in, in two. On the one is the sector-specific review, and the second one is the cross-sector review, both of which fall into the jurisdiction of the German ministry. Well, under the sector-specific regime, which is sort of the stricter one with um, the lower voting right thresholds and a stricter review, because in itself, the four sectors that are caught thereunder affect the public order and security more than the 27 sector groups defined under the cross-sector regime. So while you could be notifiable if 
the German target falls in any one of the sectors or several ones, which, ha which happens quite a bit, you would have to sort of consider what is the public order and security potentially concerned. And the closest scrutiny we've seen or where restrictive measures have been ordered um, by the ministry in the past or where a transaction was even totally prohibited, where cases involving the German target active in critical infrastructure, like harbors, for example, or related software, then also biotech and health or pharma. Semiconductors was um, scrutinized quite closely in the past, but also IT security software, cyber protection is a very important topic, and also technology involving AI and robotics, in particular where the German target has access to sensitive data and of course where sort of secrecy protection is involved. But of all of those cases, the German ministry would show the most interest in transactions involving a German target, which sort of supplies public bodies or companies uh, that are active in defense in a way which is relevant to public order and safety. And also um, where the foreign investor itself may give rise to concerns because, for example, is government related uh, or government funded by a foreign state or where even the foreign investor has been engaging in criminal activity in the past. Yeah, listening to the French and German position, it's very similar in the UK. We have 17 sectors that are designated. Uh, artificial intelligence mentioned by Natasha is also important here. We've had a number of cases relating to artificial intelligence. Uh, Defence is a big one, as you'd expect. Critical supplies to government is another one that's uh, generated some interest. Synthetic biology, that's really food we're talking about, similar, again, has uh, generated some interest. Also, quantum technology and transport. But whilst it's called transport, when you actually examine the legislation, it's, it's focused at infrastructure. So ports, terminals and harbours, as well as energy. And most of them don't have any de minimis rule, with the exception of energy and transport, where you have to have a minimum number of volumes in order to be caught within the uh, sectors. Thanks, all. Sounds like there might be some key differences in each jurisdiction. What key information should be collected in the FDI filing process? Is there anything that companies filing might perhaps not expect? Yes, well, in addition to information collected for merger control filing, such as turnover and power of attorneys, the FDI screening form will require specifically the parties to provide one granular information on targets activity, not just turnover or sales information or market shares, but the impact of its business on the French safety security supply chain. This will necessarily require a review of any contract that a target may have that will involve public agents, defense contracts, key commercial partners. The business rationale for the transaction as well as future prospects might also be requested. The focus on the authorities is on the target. However, they will also ask very detailed questions on the investor. It is important to inform the investor early that information on them, their chain of control, the ultimate beneficiaries will be required transparency 
will completely be required uh, from the investor. The foreign quality of the investor may be the ultimate beneficiary, but it might also be a company in the chain of control. So detailed information will be asked in that regard, including on individuals. On the market as well, the Minister of the Economy will involve other administration and ministries to provide insight into the market and ask relevant questions, including on competitors' relative positions on the market and the impact of the investment on the market. While the FDI team at the Minister of Finance is small, it utilizes any resource available to analyze the transaction. So France participates fully in the EU cooperation mechanism that relates to information sharing between national FDI authorities on non-EU investments into the EU. France is one of the five member states that notifies the most screenings to the Commission. 85% of the 414 transactions notified to the EU Commission in 2021 came from five countries, including France and Germany. Interesting. Are similar information required for a German filing? Well, the scope of the German FDI filing is sort of defined under a public ordinance that accompanies the FDI legislation in Germany. And according to that, it is sort of a, a list of information that, that is, forms the minimum part of, of the filing, including um, information on the transaction and its structure. On the acquirer and its shareholdings, it, um, you have to provide uh, the entire uh, shareholders chain up to the top and provide certain uh, annexes with uh, organizational charts on that. Then also the seller and uh, the seller's group and obviously the main part forms information on the German target and its activities. Now, when you come to that, um, it is, uh, as I said, the core part, you need to submit sort of founded reasoning on the uh, sector the German target is involved in, with a view to the sector groups that you consider to be applicable or potentially applicable, but also make sure you sort of draw a line in the facts that you present to the case groups that you think are likely not applicable if you have come to form an opinion on that. There's cases where it is difficult to decide and in this case we would advise to take a transparent approach and share the concerns you have or the doubts you have in relation to applying the target activities to the legislation. Then also a filing wouldn't be complete if you haven't submitted the Excel filing form that the German ministry provides. That is sort of the difficult part of the German filing. It consists of a drop-down menu um, in Excel format, and it is not very handy. Everybody who's dealt with it knows what I mean. And where the uh, target's activities um, concern state interests beyond merely German ones, it would be wise to anticipate the questions that will arise from the EU side uh, under the EU cooperation mechanism that's been implemented um, a couple of years ago that slightly vary and go beyond uh, what is required under the German legislation. Marjorie, what about information required for a UK filing? Yeah, in the UK, once you've, it's been decided that you fit within at least one of the 17 sectors, then you concentrate really on pre- and post-structural charts 
and on the acquirer. So the majority of the form, once you've established that you're within the sectors, is looking at who the acquirers are, who the ultimate beneficial owners are. There's a real interest in whether there's any state aid provided by the UK government prior to the acquisition. They want to know about any state ownership connected to the acquirer. So there's a lot of questions to do with the acquirer, including the directors, the date of birth, whether they're politically active. So the acquirer is the main concentration of the form. Once it's been decided with it, you're within any one of the 17 sectors. In your experience, Natasha, what has been the local authorities' focus in practice? Yes, we can see that there has been a clear uptake in cases since the overhaul in 2019. For instance, there were 137 cases in 2017, 216 in 2019, 279 in 2020, and 328 in 2021. In 2021, 76% of cases were out of scope, i.e. the Minister of Finance considered that the activity was not sensitive enough for clearance or rejection decision. Uh, So are companies being too cautious in their filings? Maybe. Now, we can understand them. The list of sectors is long and broad and subject to interpretation. Interrogating the Ministry of Finance officially on whether a transaction is subject to filing takes two months, which most M&A transactions don't have, as we know. And the sanctions incurred in case of violation of the authorization mechanism have been progressively reinforced and have become, over the years, particularly dissuasive. In addition, 54% of authorizations were given under conditions such as supply sustainability commitments or ensure the maintenance of the knowledge and know-how of target to avoid capitation by foreign subjects. In terms of focus sector, it should be noted that the defense sector has become marginal while biotechnology and renewable energy production now account for about 57% of authorizations followed by the health sector. R&D activities related to sectors subject to foreign investment control in France are targeted at an early stage, even before their industrialization phase and on the basis of possible future applications. The French um, Minister of Finance announced changes to the FDI regime in 2023, in particular the 10% non-EU investor voting rights threshold for listed companies is now becoming permanent after three years of being temporary. We can expect additional guidance from the administration as well. One thing is clear, the authorities intend that the French FDI regime shows flexibility to adapt to new investment trends. What about the German authority? In Germany, we see also an uplift in the total number of cases filed um, and the number is constantly going up since 2018 where we had approximately 100 cases filed versus 2022, where 300 cases have been filed. So the numbers sort of have been the same in the previous year. But what we do see is that the number of uh, cases where the ministry is opening a phase two is declining. So the ministry is clearly trying to avoid to open um, in-depth investigations or limiting those to where absolutely necessary. What we have experienced in the past is when the ministry 
doesn't have any substantive concerns or things to expect to be able to clear them in time. But if getting close to the two-month deadline of phase one, they rather extend phase one with the party's consent by an additional certain period like one month, rather than sort of going straight into a phase two. And also the cases where the ministry orders restrictive measures or asks the choir for commitments are again declining. They sort of have been halved uh, from 2021 to 2022, with um, lately only forming about 2% of the cases filed, where either in rare instances full prohibitions have been uh, ordered or mostly restrictive measures or commitments like divestitures or sort of uh, an agreement um, that the acquirer is supposed to uh, conclude with the ministry over certain terms. Sounds quite different from the French authorities, but a similar number of cases from what I hear. What's the UK authorities' focus lately? Yeah, in the UK, the uh, national security investment regime only came in, the recent one came in, in January 2022, so it's very recent. And there was a deliberate wide net approach taken by the government. Uh, Business, energy and industrial strategy department are responsible. It's the investment security unit that that, uh, enforces. And they were expecting nearly 2,000, 1,800 filings per annum. They haven't received anything like that. The numbers are much more similar to the to the numbers referred to for Germany and France. Probably the most there's been at least several cases where deals have been called in. There's been a few banning of the transaction, and there's been a few where remedies have been imposed. Uh, an example of one that was uh, prohibited related to the Manchester University wanted to license vision sensor technology to a Chinese company. So that was a voluntary filing because it was an asset, uh, not a a share acquisition. It was nevertheless banned because the government held that it had a security in terms of defence concern. And then there's a remedy relating to the supply of digital radio services where a private equity company bought a certain number of shares The deal was allowed to go through, but they had to put in place some particular safeguards to stop hostile entities getting access to sensitive information that could harm security. So now we've seen how the authorities behave and what their current focus is. From your practice, Natasha, what are three key tips that you would like to share with transactional teams or perhaps three key tips that you keep in mind? When you think about FDI screening. Yes, thank you, Lucille. Well, um, the first thing is to determine the scope of activity, not just at a sector level, but impact on French safety, supply, security. Take a granular approach that will require a detailed analysis. The second thing is timing is key. So identify if you need to consult the Ministry of Finance to determine if the transaction is notifiable. If you have two months, then go through a consultation procedure. But if you don't, then it's better to file and not risk gun jumping sanctions. 
If we contact the Ministry of Finance to discuss the transaction early, we may also anticipate questions as well as communicate our time constraints, especially if the transaction falls within a very tight time frame, which the Ministry of Finance endeavors to take into account. Now, also take into account the standstill period. It is simultaneous with the merger control standstill period, although the timing is not exactly the same, two months for um, the FDI versus 25 business days for merger control. But you may have cases where you actually don't have merger control. So that will be, you know, one of the elements of your condition precedent. Since 2020, EU member states will coordinate and exchange information regarding the FDI filings they receive. So in addition, information and coordination is also implemented with ISU, BEIS in the UK. Therefore, in case of a multi-jurisdictional approach, we need to take a holistic and coordinated view to all FDI filings across the EU, as we would want to avoid to include any information in one country's filing that could raise questions or hinder clearance in another one. Thank you, Natasha. Michaela, do you have three key tips for us? Sure. The first one would be that whenever there's a German target involved, I would say do check in with the German FDI specialists and tick the German FDI box so um, you know what the risk um, is for Germany in this transaction. You know, filing requirements may exist, although they're not expected at all, even by people that have been in the business in the transaction and M&A business for a very long time. We continue to see that. And those instances are a lot of times just not obvious at all. For example, there could be a filing requirement, um, unlike then in merger control, where there's just a group internal reorganization. Uh, most people that are in M&A wouldn't expect any regulatory, regulatory filings to be necessary there. And if one is not sure, whether or not the German target falls within a sector group, you would need to file nevertheless and apply for a certificate of non-objection in the alternative to applying for clearance in case the ministry takes the view that um, the German legislation is not applicable. So this seems to be substantially different from the approach taken in France. My second one is that also engage early. FDI doesn't have to be a holdup in the transaction at all. So the far majority of cases in Germany, 75% in the last year, got cleared in phase one and then even most early, not, not at the end of the two month period, but um, so, some much earlier than that. It is only problematic if you wait until the last minute and the transaction then turns out to be notifiable and that obviously causes a disruption that is definitely not necessary. And the third one is uh, if cases are particularly complex or stand out for whatever reason by transaction volumes or the parties involved, it, it can be many different aspects. Then don't be shy about making pre-filing contacts with the German ministry that have an open ear and are grateful for being informed and briefed ahead of time. And then they can sort of allocate the right case team. You tell them what they should know about the case um, ahead of the formal filing being made and on whatever you think is necessary to discuss. 
So you sort of prepare the transaction to to start off with uh, a smooth process and dialogue with the ministry in German FDI. Super helpful. Marjorie, do you have three key tips from your practice? Thank you. First thing to establish is, do you have a mandatory or a voluntary filing? So it's mandatory if you're acquiring shares within the business carrying out activities in the 17 sectors. And it's voluntary if it's material influence or acquiring assets. So if it's mandatory because it's backed by criminal sanctions, if in doubt, file. If you've got any doubt, that there is a way of informally contacting the ISU, if in doubt, file. And in terms of the actual 17 sectors, it's, this is a fundamental part of whether you need to file. It's always best to get the target, the entity to be acquired, to set out where, where they think the activities are caught. So get by getting the buy-in of the entity to be acquired, you'll have agreement when you put the file in. And the, the file allows the authorities to contact the target to check on the activities. So I've always found the best way is to get them to draft them and agree them in advance before you put the filing in. It ensures consistency and the target should know what business they're, they're operating in. Well, thank you very much to the three of you for a very interesting discussion. Thanks for your fascinating insights and these great tips that we will all keep in mind whenever we're facing a cross-border transaction or wonder whether it actually falls under FDI regimes. We could talk a lot longer on these subjects. And listener, if you have questions, please send them to our speakers and we'll be sure to answer them in our next podcasts. This concludes today's episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dealmaker Insights. Dealmaker Insights is a Reed Smith production. Our producer is Ali McCarvey. For more information about Reed Smith's corporate and financial industry practices, please email dealmakerinsights at reedsmith.com. You can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, reedsmith.com, and on our social media accounts at reedsmithllp on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. This podcast is provided for educational purposes. It does not constitute legal advice and is not intended to establish an attorney-client relationship, nor is it intended to suggest or establish standards of care applicable to particular lawyers in any given situation. Prior results do not guarantee a similar outcome. Any views, opinions, or comments made by any external guest speaker are not to be attributed to Reed Smith LLP or its individual lawyers. All rights reserved.